Welcome to the Empowered to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I am your host. And today in the show, we've got Christy Edwards on, um, who is a counselor and, and has been in a variety of settings for most of her professional life. Um, Christy also might be the kindest human being that we have ever uh, known here at uh ETC and in the Memphis Family Connection Center. And so um, as, as Christy is a friend and, and a friend of the program, um, we have uh, long awaited this episode as we as we mapped out our um, our schedule and knew we wanted to talk about showing kindness to ourselves or showing compassion to ourselves. Uh, we knew that Christy was the one that we wanted to have on to talk today specifically about this topic. And so I hope that uh, if you are like us and you are coming into this episode today, um, maybe you are just beat down or just feeling weary of the things that are happening in the world. Maybe you are feeling like a terrible parent. Maybe you're feeling like a great parent. Um, maybe you are frustrated about something going on at home. Maybe you are um, just tired and, and need to fill up a little bit. Um, this is definitely an episode that uh, can do that. And so I would say Christy is... Um, uh, brilliant in this area amongst lots of other areas, but I, I did feel, um, I'll admit, like I just, like I owed her a counseling fee, like I needed to pay her at the end of the session because um, it, it was so valuable, at least for me um, in my own um, personal parenting journey uh, where we were when we recorded this. And so hopefully it'll be the same for you. Uh, there's a lot of really good, uh, really, really practical um, things for us in this episode. And so uh, without any further ado, let's jump right into it now here. She is Christy Edwards. Well, we said in the opening that we had Christy Edwards with us today, and Becca McKay is also with us. And so today we wanted to have Christy on because um, she, as you'll hear in a second, has been a counselor in a variety of of backgrounds and settings, which uh, for us is really pertinent to our conversation today. We're we're talking about uh, being kind to yourself. And so Becca and I, when we talked with Tana a few weeks ago, we were we were kind of brainstorming about topics and. well, rather than me explain it, Becca, if you want to kind of like talk through this topic today and why, you know, kind of why we felt like it was important in this series. Yeah, we're in the middle of a series called We're All Human. And so as we explore things about trauma and stress and adversity, trials, tribulations, things that humans go through, we wanted to have a conversation with Christy about how do you keep going? <laughs> what do you do when things are hard, not just for a minute, not just for a week, but for a long time? How do you keep showing up? How do you keep showing up for yourself? How do you keep showing up for the people in your life? Um, and we um, know from professional experience that Christy is an expert at walking alongside people for the long haul in different different settings and being able to just give guidance and encouragement. She has been through some personal stuff and professionally has a lot of insight. So we're just excited to talk to you today about what that's looked like and just any insight that you could share with people listening who are kind of feeling like, okay, yeah, they said we're all human. Yeah, it's really hard. How do I, how do I keep going? What do I do here? So uh, Christy, maybe the most helpful like starting place for us would be, would you just share with us like your background, kind of a little bit about who you are, and then we'll kind of get into our topic today. Sure. Yeah, it's great to be here with you guys. Um, I have been counseling, like you said, in a variety of settings for about 15 years or so um, through ministry or church and then in clinical settings at MFCC and working with moms, um, working with women of all ages, um, walking alongside people who have experienced trauma or even 
who are caring for those who have experienced trauma. Um, and then I'm uh, moving back into a ministry setting um, here presently. So um, I'm a mom of two girls, um, 17 and 14, uh, married um, about 19 years. Um, awesome. So I've um, had journeys myself too <laughs> along the ways. Um, so let's maybe let's kind of start with just framing this for people. And I think, I mean, in a lot of these episodes, I will share kind of like the male, like generic stereotypical male perspective, especially with this conversation. Like I could hear, um, you know, coaches I had growing up or whatever, the, the kind of stereotype being like, Oh, be kind to yourself. How about work hard for a change and quit complaining so much? Like, so for people who might kind of roll their eyes at this topic, like why in, in your background, your experience, like what might be kind of the, the way to frame this for everybody to understand, like why the importance of, of being kind in, to your own self as you're going through life? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think we can look at even physical therapy. We can look at our bodies and notice that our bodies have limits and can only extend so far. And so a physical therapist helps strengthen us, but the reason you go to a physical therapist is because you have something that's not operating right. Um, We have overextended, overused, um, injured something in some sort of way where then we need care. We need to tend to that part of our body. And if we don't, um, there's really lasting effects to where you can't function any longer. The strength is gone from you to just muster up strength and just keep going and plow through. Um, So I think noticing our bodies, like um, people talk about getting sick a lot of times, like your immune system's down, um, you go through a hard time, stressful time, and at the end of it, you're just laid out. You're sick. Um, so our bodies tell us, um, that's not something we can deny or ignore as much as we try um, to ignore and just keep going. And we live in a culture that just says, like you said, this, uh, that mentality (laughs) of just press through, keep going, perform. Um, you've got to function at your best all the time, um, a hundred percent of the time. And that's just not, um, that's not what we're made to be like. Yeah. I love that you just mentioned how we have these limits. Like we there's a limit to what we can do. Can you talk a little bit about a little bit more about that? What kind of I guess what are the challenges that come with accepting that we have limits and what are the opportunities maybe? Yeah. That's that's a great way to frame it. Um there are opportunities, I think, in acknowledging our limits. But let's talk first about <laughs> the challenges. Um I think the first thing that comes to my mind is shame. So the epitome of shame is I'm not enough, right? That's kind of, uh, I love the acronym for shame, should have already mastered everything, right? Oh gosh, I've never so, heard that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's what we believe. It's how we walk around. We do this to each other. Hey, why haven't you done that already? You should have already mastered this. And we do it to ourselves. And so as soon as we're aware of a limit, as soon as we're aware of something that uh, we feel weak, we feel um, like we don't know something, we feel like um, we're not able um, to perform in some sort of way, we instantly um, translate that as failure. Um, And then insert shame and insert, um, I'm not enough, and um, I should be, I should be able to do this. So we just run from shame. Shame is painful and we just want to get as far away from it as we possibly can. Yeah. Um, I think 
in the on the flip side, there's a humility is kind of the opposite of that toxic shame, um, where we say, "I do have limits. I can't master everything. I." Um, won't be able to be all things to all people or know the future right. or know all things. So so then there's a, an opportunity to relax into that and just be who we're made to be, um, to bring to the table what I can bring to the table. So then it, it reframes like, um, I do have something to offer. I, I don't have everything to offer. I do bring something to the table. I don't bring everything. Um, so it gives us an opportunity to then be able to see what we are doing, what we do bring to the table. Because when we're focused on um, doing all of it, then we lose sight of that's so a blanket statement of what we can't do. Right. Then we can't see past um, what we're able to, to bring. Mm-hmm. Mm. Luckily, this doesn't really enter our parenting, right? <laughs> so, um, is there, does that, do the same, do you feel like those same themes extend kind of seamlessly into um, parenting, or do you feel like there's some additional layers that come with that when you start to examine that view with the lens as a parent as well? Yeah, I definitely think there's additional layers. I definitely, it definitely applies to parenting <laughs> as much as we don't want it to. But um, but that's, I mean, man, the number one way I've been refined in my life is just through yeah. recognizing I can't be everything my kids need me to be. And that, there's a death to that um, as a parent because we want to be. We want to give them right. everything they need. And, and then we feel the should that we should and we're failing if we're not. And so... Um, to know that I, I need a community of people, um, I need coaches and teachers and counselors and neighbors um, who can also be to my children um, things that they need that I don't provide, but then I get to relax into who I am to them. I'm unique yeah. in my role as mom. My husband's unique as role as dad in their lives, and no one else can fill that role, but... Um, but there has to be a layers and layers of care um, for them. So when you talk about the ripple effects of that, man, I'm faced with that every day. And when I'm faced with it, I have a choice. I have a choice to look at, man, I'm limited in what my child needs right now. And if I, if I blow through that, then I get anxious. I want to control. I get um, stressed. I beat myself up. Yeah. They see and hear that and pick up on that. Right. And then I, I'm also modeling something to them. I'm modeling to them, hey, you need to do this better. You need to be better. You need to um, have it together. You yeah. need, and that's not what I want to teach them. Um, and I think it's easier for us to see what do I want my kids to believe at the end of the day and then to live that out is harder for mm. ourselves. Um, but I think when you say the layers, if I have an opportunity – if I have that choice and I get to say, okay, let me relax into this and verbalize that to my child. Like Mm -hmm. I see that you're hurting in this way. I don't have the answers. I don't know how this is going to play out tomorrow with your friends and, um, how, uh, there's bullying and, and they're being mean and I don't know how that's going to play out and I can't fix it. Um, what do we do in that? And just really seeing them through my vulnerability, through my humility, 
um, allows me to see them. If I go the other route and if I'm trying to be in control and if I'm trying to fix it, if I'm blowing past my limits, then mm. uh, I, don't, I can't see them. All I've got in my view is seeing myself um, and what I need to be doing for them. Um, but I think we have to be able to really see the other person. To see the other person, we have to acknowledge a right view of ourselves. Yeah. Here's one problem with that. I And <laughs> I have been faced with this, I feel like personally this week, that very thought has, somebody challenged me in this, was which was um, maybe, and, I, and I've talked about, I was talking with this person just about like, um, oh, parenting tweens is so hard, and there's just so these moments where you just you're trying to help them understand what to do, and and the person pushed back on me like, but you don't always know what to mm-hmm. do, and then that kills your relationship with them if you're always just doing mm-hmm. for them instead of being with them, and I tried to like respond pretty quickly just out of instinct, probably to run away from the like, a hard conversation, mm-hmm. and I sat and thought about that, and I was like, oh. Oh, okay, okay. And this guy shared with me, he said, my, uh, he's like, my dad did tons of stuff for me and he didn't know anything about me. Mm -hmm. And he was like, he never missed a practice, rehearsal, you know, school thing ever. Was always physically there. Didn't know anything about me personally. And that just like stuck with me. And when you said it just now, but that's, that's kind of the danger of like, a lot of times, and for me, it would be out of out of just a fear for my kids. Like, I've got to jump in and help you figure this out and instead of being willing to sit with them in the unknown yeah. and to just be willing to be with them. So, you know, that can feel pretty hopeless, mm-hmm. that yeah. spot can, right? Which is, you know, something we talked about, and I guess, Becca, you would kind of even send this to Chrissy at a time. That, that, is this where community begins to come in, I guess? Like, and I'm not trying to bait this question, but it feels like a natural conclusion, right? Like this is one of those places we've got to have other people kind of in our lives, right? Yes, for sure. But I, but I want to back up even to that moment where yeah. it feels vulnerable and you're sitting with your child and you're, you're able to really say, I don't know. Mm. Then there's, you're letting them see you, right? Yeah. Whereas you, you're putting up barriers to being seen in your vulnerability and your limits when you're saying, oh, I know what you should do. You just got to do this. You just got to do that. When you're instructing all the time, it's like a pretense that we know. We know what you should do. We know how you should do it. Now you just need to go do it, what we're telling you to do. Yeah. But then the child, it, it's communicated that then you need to have the answers all the yeah. time. You need to know how to deal with every situation yeah. rather than when they see your vulnerability, there's a connection there, an yeah. instant connection. And it's an invitation to then, now you can be vulnerable with me. Now you can say, I, Dad, I don't know. I don't know. what." I, and, and then out of that connection, there breeds strength and courage and um, how to move forward in it. It's not like a instructive A plus B equals C. How much of life is really that formula, right? (laughs) But life is connection. Life is, I don't know what in the world's next or how I'm going to do it, but I know you're with me to do it, right? And then, and then I can, I can conquer anything that comes tomorrow. Um, Gosh, I think you're, man, I just don't want to blow past this moment because I feel like you're saying something that's super profound, which is 
we have to be honest with ourselves Mm -hmm. about our limits. I feel like that's what I'm hearing Mm -hmm. you say is like, and man, how hard is that? Like, I'm just thinking about, like you said, JD, I'm thinking about this week and how many times I wanted to jump to the next thing. Okay. But how do I fix it? Okay. But how can it be better? Okay. But this doesn't feel good right now. Mm. How could I change it? And I know you've been through, you know, we're friends. We, we know we've carried each other's burdens during like really some of life's really most difficult times. And so sometimes when you're looking at a situation, there is no solution. Yeah. And I think, man, I'm just curious when you, when you find yourself in that space, Christy, Mm -hmm. like, what does that feel like? What does it look like? How have you been able to acknowledge that? Cause I feel like even after years of like trying to pause, I still tend to jump to, but what am I supposed to do though? Like, just tell me what to do. Okay. If you tell me to call five friends, I'll call five friends. Just tell me what to do. Right. So I'm curious, like before we jump into some of the, you know, there is some things that steps we can take, but talk about that moment. I don't know if there's like a story that comes to mind or anything, but like, what does that moment feel like when you reach a moment where there is no solution to this one? Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Just to even when you said, um, I, I resist. And that's what I hear you saying when you're saying, I just want to fix it. I don't want to stay in the uncomfortable. There's such resistance that comes up in us. So to then be able to acknowledge, okay, I'm going to have resistance because this is painful. It's uncomfortable. And just our knee jerk reaction is to avoid and to get away from pain and discomfort. So Um, Of course, something that is sad, where there's a grief, something that is um, hurtful, painful, something that makes me angry, um, something I'm afraid of, any of those things can bring up all that resistance, Um, but especially shame, like we talked about before. Um, You know, I, I think one of the things that brings up an element of humility, which is just, again, that healthy form of shame of just saying I'm human and I'm limited is just the dying process. And just knowing that if I'm, if something hurts, you know, if I slap my arm and it hurts, I'm here, I'm alive. I'm, I'm not, um, heading towards, uh, at, at all times, I'm heading towards eternity. I'm heading towards that moment where I have to make that choice. So in watching my mom um, suffer through Alzheimer's mm-hmm. and in caring for her, um, I was faced with that reality of we're all heading towards this point and how we get there is pa- is painful. It's Life is full of those moments of, of reality hitting. Um, and so watching her decline, watching her memory fade, watching her body fade, um, really going to a place of greater need when she was the parent caring for me. And then there's this role reversal of she now needs care and instrumental care. Um, the basic, um, uh, basic elements of how we care for one another. Um, So at all points along that process, realizing the reality, admitting the reality, accepting the reality of, of what's happening to her, someone in my life, close proximity to me, but then the reality of how I'm dealing with it and how I'm responding to it. So if I choose to blow past the reality of what's happening in me and not see mm-hmm. 
um, my grief and not see my limits in being able to make sense of this, um, then I'm not going to be present with her, right? And um, and so there's there's times where I felt that resistance too of like, no, I just got to do the next thing. I got to care for her. I got to show up and I'm her only person. I'm her person. Um, she's here um, in town and I'm supposed to take care of all these different needs. I'm learning. It's a huge learning curve. Um, and then sometimes it shows up in, um, emotions. Sometimes it shows up in our bodies. And so I, um, you know, you feel that heightened stress that a caregiver feels, um, your brain is cloudy, you blow past that, um, you feel scattered, you blow past that. And then, um, at one point I did end up getting frozen shoulder in my arm and literally couldn't move. And, I went to the physical therapist and had to work through six months of getting my body back, which was just responding to the stress and responding to me blowing past my limits and, um, you know, not resting, not tending to how I was responding to what was happening in my world. Um, and so I I think sometimes our, our bodies will tell us before we admit, um, So we get to a place sometimes where it's, um, oh, I, I can't go any farther until I recognize this. Um, but in that process of tending to my body, stretching and doing exercises, it was so meaningful for me on so many deeper levels of then, um, okay, where does my heart need tending to? Where do, where do I need help? Like Just like my body needed a physical therapist, I need the community around me. So holding out a need to someone else and saying, I, I can't do this all by myself. There's something like a knee jerk reaction in all of us that goes off like, Nope, I don't want to be weak. Nope. I don't want to ask for help. What if they don't, what if they can't help? What if they don't help? What if I'm really alone in this, which is my greatest fear. Right. Um, but then what if they do? Right. And then moving on until you find that person who can, um, help in ways that you need that support. So there's so much admitting and so much acceptance, so much allowing yourself to feel, um, tending that is kindness, that is compassion. I think when we think of compassion, we think of showing it to others um, and really wanting to see that person be moved by what they're experiencing and then act, right? But we can't show that compassion unless we have experienced it. So that giving and receiving care in relationship um, with others. So to receive, surround yourself with people who can give um, and find ways like um, prayer and a relationship with the Lord and a community and family and um, asking who can come alongside me in this. It's... um, we feel so lonely in that, and in that place, it's the most tender moment to then say, I need help. Um, I'm thinking, too, of the times in my life where I've been at that that spot of, like, blowing past my limits, I think is how you said it, which I love so much. I get frozen. I'll have people that say, what do you need? But I don't know. In that moment, it's really hard for me to know what I need. So what's your, like... What have you learned about that, and either professionally or personally? Like, how do you 
start to recognize those because sometimes it's like people are offering, but I feel frozen. And I wonder if some of our listeners are like, yeah, I'm in a tough spot right now. And there are people who are offering, but I don't know what I need. So what would you say to that person or to yourself in that spot? Yeah, for sure. There's so many times I've felt that way too. Um, And almost just having somebody begin to listen. So, so the best times when I didn't know what I needed, somebody was offering, was when I could just start talking. Like, so a, a question yeah. might be, um, well, just tell me about what you're feeling. Tell me about what you're experiencing. What's life like right now for you? Mm-hmm. Where are you experiencing difficulty? What are you afraid of? Um, where do you feel lonely? Where do you feel seen? Um, just leading someone to just tell their story mm-hmm. um, tell what life is like, give a glimpse of what it's like to walk in your shoes today, this week. Um, And as in my own story, as I started being able to unpack just a day in the life or a week in the life, then the other person's response of just being present with me, listening, and like their whole posture showing attentiveness, um, it allowed me to then make sense of where those places were, where I needed tending to. Um, and it allowed them to then respond with, oh, wow, that sounds like a lot. Mm-hmm. Or, wow, did you eat, you know, today? Yeah. <laughs> did you, um, where, where are you experiencing delight or replenishment in that? That sounds like a lot. Like, that then told me, oh, yeah, this is a lot, you know. And then you, you can um, feel felt, like Kurt Thompson says, by somebody else. And in that moment, just telling your story and being heard. I love how he talks about, um, in Anatomy of the Soul, how our brains are being healed and rewired in that very moment of just just letting someone in. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the magic of it. And then I think out of that then comes what to do next or how to help. And even the listener being able to discern um, wow, it sounds like you probably don't have any time to make a meal. Let me drop something off tomorrow. You know, and then when, when they've seen you and heard you and then they discern yeah. what might be helpful, it's just the most meaningful thing um, because you're right. Our brains are so scattered. Our lids are flipped. We can't get to that logic part of our brain right. to even say, here's what I need today, you know, yeah. or make my to-do list. Um in the throes of the storm and, you know, just tossed in the waves and, mm-hmm. and we can't stand up straight. We just need that listening presence um, who is tending to us when we don't even know how to tend to ourselves. I think that's super encouraging because now, so I, I've been kind of thinking, putting myself in the shoes of like when I've been staring at death in the face, like in those moments, those like really, really tough moments. And I'm thinking about that, but now I'm taking a step out and I'm thinking, what about when I've walked alongside friends? And it is that like freedom of like, yeah, I sat on the steps of the hospital Mm -hmm. outside for 30 minutes. That's what I could do. And that was nothing in some ways, but it was everything in other ways. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just thinking about those moments. I'm thinking about something way less serious. Guys, a couple weeks ago, my car started making this crazy noise. (laughs) And of course, we take it in and it's $1,500. And this is after a summer of like broken air conditioner, (laughs) broken, you know, there's a branch that's going to knock something over if we don't spend $1,000 to get it taken care of. So it's just, you know, we're on the brink here (laughs) and that's happening. And one of my best friends, you know, I'm, we're texting and it's that moment of like, 
on one hand, you can't do anything. And then she says, hey, do you guys want to come over for dinner? Mm-hmm. And they got our favorite here, here in town is Lost Delicious. And they like had Lost yes. Delicious. And we went over. And it didn't fix the problem. That's right. But it did. Like, But it helped us to feel That's seen. Right. And like seen and cared for. And That's we right. laughed. And we had a great time. And now when I think back on that week, it's not all (laughs) doom and gloom. There's like, oh, that was a really fun evening with our good friends. Mm -hmm. So I'm just thinking of like, you're sparking my memory of like, man, times when people have done that for me or when I've been able to do it for others. And it can feel so small, like it can feel like such a small thing. But I think those little moments are so meaningful. So I'm wondering what you guys are thinking about. If you think about like the my friend who invited me over mm-hmm. or me sitting on this test. Like if you're thinking about the person who's supporting other people, I don't know what pops to y'all's mind. I'm well, curious. You just reframed success. I mean, yeah. success mm. isn't fixing it. Yeah. Right. Success isn't taking away the pain necessarily or, um, removing the discomfort, which is exactly what we want yeah. when we're right. in the throes of it. That's right. the that's the very thing we want. Or when we're helping someone else, when we see someone else in their pain, we just want to fix it. When we see our child in distress, yeah. man, we want to remove that so much. And there's an element of beautiful compassion in that. Mm-hmm. But to be able to then recognize I'm limited, right? And, yeah. and they're limited. Even if I even if I had the answer of what they should do, they can't, right? Because right. you, yeah. you don't have that capacity in those moments to even muster up whatever it is to do the thing that's next sometimes. So um, I think it's a beautiful reframe of success is just being present. Mm-hmm. Um, and even thinking about ourselves, like being present with ourselves, like what, where am I in this struggle? And then being present with somebody else. Like where are you? I think what's helped me too is there's like – when our kids are very little, we do a lot of things mm-hmm. for them that yeah. you would look like a crazy person doing for them when they're 13, 14, 15. And as time goes, you do it less and less and they get to where they're doing it on their own with your help. And then they're doing it on their own and you're just checking behind them to make sure. And maybe the grossest example that's not too close to home for anybody is you know, diaper changes and then <laughs> teaching kids how to go to the bathroom and how to make sure that bathroom doesn't come with them when they leave, you know, all that. <laughs> like, And it would look ridiculous to follow a 15 year old into the bathroom and be like, okay, time to go. And here we go. You know, do you need help? Like, unless that was something that had to be happening. Right. But like those kids have learned over time how to do that. And I think in this space, like there are so many things that are just hard to watch our kids go through that we might in a moment be able to take some discomfort in that moment from them but it might be something that we know is going to have to happen on their own as they get older. And so you've got to have this painful couple of like stay with them as it's happening and just help them, you know, recover afterward, stay with them as it's helping, help yep. them recover so that they can then one day offer that to somebody else That's as well. Right. Cause we can't do those things if we, if we've not been shown how, right. And you said a minute ago, you said layers, we were talking about layers of community then. Yeah. And I think when you do that, you're modeling to your kids what to look for in community. So if you're doing for them when they're 15, um, then they're expecting, this is what community does for me, right? Oh, that's so good. if you're saying, like, we had a a Yes Day staff moment, you know, last week, and we're challenged to um, offer care um, to somebody in your family. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I just had ended up making a spinach artichoke dip for one of my teens who was, you know, just the throes of the back to school and stress. And 
just to come alongside, I see you, this is hard. I, I'm not removing the stress. I'm not taking tests for, I'm not, right. you know, right. but I'm, I see you in it and I acknowledge this is a lot. And this is a way of offering care to you in it. That, that yeah. did everything to muster up. Okay. I can do this. Oh, that's so good. Right. Yeah. Well, and I'm the same way. I mean, that's, that's your example, Becca, of yeah. getting like cheese up and guacamole fits a, fixes a lot, like <laughs> a lot. And it didn't, it didn't come, they, like, they didn't then say, I'm going to get the pole saw and come take care of this tree for you. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's, it's, and I think all of us in those moments, like, um, sometimes it feels trivial delivering food in a moment or whatever, or it feels trivial going, and, and it's very hard to learn how to just sit with somebody. It is. And to not be like, well, what do you, no, I can help you, what do you need? You need a milkshake, whatever? Like, well, that's not going to do anything right now. You know, like, and being able just to go do that. But when it, when it can happen, then it makes the next time easier for it to happen and, and so on. Um, well, I think, so as we start to kind of round up this conversation, um, I wonder if there's a, when it comes to, to parenting and, and when you get into the kind of tougher situations, toughest situations in life, and, and you're, you're sitting there and you don't have an answer, but it's something that you do need to figure out an answer for. It's something you've never encountered. And so I, particularly I might be thinking um, toward our, families in foster care or, or through adoption where you might have a situation that's foreign to you, a struggle that was foreign to you. And maybe you've got a child from a different cultural background or ethnicity than you you're from. And the, the aloneness they're feeling is unique to them. You've not shared that before. Could you talk about kind of some guidelines for how to engage that well without, without, you know, overstepping in those moments? Yeah. And you mean just how to sit with somebody in that yeah. As they're experiencing something that you've not walked through. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's, it's so difficult because the first thing that comes to our mind is that curiosity. We want to understand. We want to know what is it like, what mm-hmm. you're experiencing. What is it like to not know? And I think as a counselor, a lot of times I'll experience the very thing that the person sitting across from me is experiencing. So, for mm-hmm. example, I'll experience the, gosh, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. And it's actually an opportunity for me to see life through their eyes for a minute because mm. they're experiencing, I don't know what to do with this. This is a problem yeah. bigger than me. My child is having these struggles. I don't know what to do. And that panic feeling and that compassion and I, I want to move, I want to act, I want to affect yeah. change. And, and the same thing is happening in me as I'm mm. listening, as I'm sitting with them. And so to even just... Um, commiserate in a way or, or to acknowledge, yeah. is this what this feels like to you? Um, I sense that. I, I want to know. I want to affect change that it feels so helpless to not be able yeah. to do something. And then as I'm, so my window of tolerance is probably a little bit wider at that moment than mm-hmm. theirs because I'm not in the throes of it. I'm just listening. So it's a layer removed. And so in my window of tolerance to be able to be self-aware and to say, you know, here's what it's like for me to experience that, to feel that. Here's what my resistance is. Here's what I want to do in that mm-hmm. to relieve the tension. Um, and and then as I'm talking, and again, we have that presence, we have that slower moment, we have that pause in life to just reflect. Yeah, um, it's a reflective space, not a doing space. So if so, even in that moment 
the other person has the opportunity to then, instead of the throes of surviving and striving and, and doing and acting and spinning my wheels, yeah. they have the opportunity to just breathe deep and pause and reflect. And what's amazing in that moment, even though neither of us have the answers, is that your brain like expands to this moment of, of like, I can think outside this small little narrow huh. box that I've just been spinning my wheels in. I can imagine creativity, curiosity happens in that space. Um, an idea that maybe, you know, like things that are back there that we can't have access to in the, yeah. in the fight, flight, or freeze um, part of our brain. Um, we can maybe engage that part together yeah. and engage, you know, help the other person to engage that part. Um, but the hardest thing is that there might not be like a then what answer. Yeah. Um, yeah. But to kind of trust the process, mm-hmm. to trust that relief comes just in that space, um, I think has got to be part of it. I would think so too. <laughs> I think um, that's huge though. It's the space. Yeah. It's not the action. It's the space. It's that, ref- yeah. you said it, you said it's the reflecting, not the doing. It's the yeah. reflecting space. So when you can create space for yourself and for the people that you love mm-hmm. on the darkest day and the best mm-hmm. day, mm-hmm. that space is what helps us That's is what right. helps us and moves us. That's right. Well, any, any final thoughts, closing thoughts for people as they're leaving, like maybe one thing to keep in mind as they go as a, as a first step toward showing kindness to themselves today. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I'll just piggyback off of what we just said, just creating space, um, looking, really looking and seeing yourself, seeing others, um, seeing how God is moving, um, asking yourself those questions, but it takes humility. It takes, Mm. um, admitting that I'm limited and not, not giving into that pressure to feel like you have to be all things. So good. Christy, thank you so much for joining us today. Mm